Welcome to Health Tech Hustle. We exist to share stories of the brave entrepreneurs helping to solve the most important problems in digital health today. We interview top leaders in health tech and bring them onto our show each week to listen and learn from their story. With your host, Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Hello and welcome to another episode of Health Tech Hustle. Today I'm joined with another awesome guest, Mr. Supreet Patel. He is the healthcare principal at Ionic Security, and I'm excited to have him on and share what they're doing over at Ionic and learn more about the day-to-days that he's doing. So with that being said, Supreet, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. No problem. So yeah, let's just get started. Why don't you give people a little background of who you are and how you actually got into health tech and your position at Ionic. Yeah, I like to say I kind of accidentally fell into health tech. I started out after college in financial services, and the bank I was working for at the time in New York was going through a a change of location. So they were shipping a bunch of people off to Delaware. I didn't really want to go to Delaware at that time. And so I started looking for jobs, and I ended up landing a job at a company in Washington, D.C. called the Advisory Board Company, which was at the time mostly known for research and, and being kind of a healthcare think tank, but they were launching a a business intelligence group. And so I was one of the first hires, external hires into that group. And so that, yeah, that was back in early 2000s. And ever since then, I've, I've stayed in the healthcare IT world and done everything from, you know, develop and design new products that we take out to market for hospitals and health systems to working for EHR vendors and um, eventually started my own business serving healthcare clients. And now most recently, uh, working in the data security space with Ionic as they look to expand into the healthcare vertical and make an impact there. Nice. So at Ionic, you guys just focus on data security for pretty much everyone, but now you guys are trying to break into healthcare, correct? Yeah, yeah. You know, a strong presence in financial services and the federal space and even commercial, but healthcare is a relatively new vertical. Mm-hmm. You know, the nice thing is the applications of Ionic's technology in the other verticals like commercial, federal, and financial services really applies directly to the healthcare vertical because what we're seeing in healthcare is a lot of organizations are moving to the cloud. And when you move to the cloud, it's obviously there's some benefits with that, but there's also some big risks in the security and privacy world. So what I liked about Ionic is that the application itself has applicability across verticals and across across sectors and, and even across sizes of companies. You know, you don't have to be the biggest healthcare organization to benefit from from the product offering. Nice. So we all know, like in the healthcare industry, like data and HIPAA, all that's like big thing to keep in mind. So like, what is your role at Iconic and what's Iconic's role in the healthcare industry and improving it? Yeah, I mean, at Ionic, you know, what I'm trying to really leverage is or or kind of jump on top of is this momentum in the in the healthcare world that we see towards healthcare consumerism or even patient empowerment, some people call it. You know, I think what the last few months especially has shown us is that people are willing to take control of their healthcare experience and that journey. And that includes the data associated with that journey. They're wanting to have more control over that and they're willing to communicate with providers through virtual health platforms. You know, telemedicine is is an obvious one, but, you know, we also see a lot of connected devices, you know, the internet of things in the healthcare world, it's the internet of medical things, but that tells us something about people as consumers and their habits. And I think obviously this pandemic has been a, um, a global issue and it's really impacted 
organizations and people across the board. But one thing we're seeing in, in healthcare, which is the adoption rates of telemedicine and these platforms that, that we've never seen before, and it's out of necessity. And so with Ionic, really what we're able to do is empower new companies or app developers or uh, even hospitals, health systems, medical device manufacturers to continue that level of engagement with people and continue to put out new products and services that benefit the health of the community, but do so in a way that ensures safeguarding their privacy and um, safeguarding the data uh, while allowing for uh, the best quality of care to be provided. Nice. So you mentioned that you had some background in the financial industry, but you really created this company to focus around data. Now you're trying to get into healthcare. Can we kind of talk about your journey to actually starting this company and how that's been just from conception to actual implementation and growing the company? Yeah. So, you know, full disclosure, I, I, I wish I had started Ionic. That would have made me a, a pretty profitable guy. But, you know, just the journey to getting here, you know, obviously spent the last 15, 16 years in healthcare and health tech. You know, what started, why I started my own company, the Bestige Group, about six years ago was coming out of consulting and a lot of the other roles I've had in healthcare. I also, I saw a need for a platform or a way for providers to better understand their patients, not just as patients, but as people and as consumers and, you know, what they were out there looking for, what they needed, and you really using external data to help providers make smarter decisions about things like service line expansion or mergers and acquisitions or, you know, a lot of the other kind of trends that we're seeing in the, in the industry. What led me to Ionic was really, that was a natural progression because I think what Ionic does is something I was leveraging. You know, we were leveraging a lot of data to help build applications and Ionic, you know, has come up with a, a really powerful solution that allows us to enforce security of that data and make sure that we're developing applications in the right way and then protecting um, all this, you know, PHI and other sensitive information. And that's really what brought me here is to, to help you know, stand up this healthcare vertical as something I really see as necessary in this in this industry. Nice. So I think just like hearing hearing you talk, like I can see the opportunity available, especially like with this whole COVID thing and how that's disrupted the entire industry, so to say. And like you had mentioned telemedicine and all these patients and providers are all communicating all over the place. And so there's a constant right. transfer of data. And like you said, you want even though the patients are comfortable putting their data out there, they still want to feel safe and secure, which is where you guys come in. Yeah, they do. I mean, you know, and it's not just patients and providers that are communicating. Like we were just talking about before we started was we have this whole remote workforce now and there's, you know, you have a distributed workforce and, and hospitals are no different than anybody else. Obviously clinicians are, are still in the hospitals and serving patients, and, but hospitals have a lot of other staff, you know, they're, they're big organizations and they have to support that staff. So they have to make sure that you know, the people who in their organization who need access to the data have it, but also have it securely and can have it in a way that it can always be tracked and logged so that, you know, all the security protocols are, are kind of being enforced. And so, yeah, it, it's been an interesting kind of time for hospitals. I keep saying hospitals, but the industry in general, right? I mean, when you take the financial impact that this has had on them, it's been, has been massive. And so it's actually provided an opportunity for organizations to look for more efficient solutions. And I think, as you know, one of the, those efficient solutions is, is migrating to the cloud and using the, you know, the powerful platforms that 
AWS and, and Microsoft and Google kind of offer to people from a, a storage and even a computing perspective to uh, you know to reduce costs and and you know centralize uh, centralized work. Nice. So what is take us through like the day to day responsibilities of Supreme? <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of twofold. One is is things like this, right? Which is getting out there and talking to people and presenting the vision and kind of need that Ionic helps deliver on. And that's really important, you know, kind of adjusting to that and, and talking about that, being more market facing and being kind of a you know an industry expert as somebody who spent you know, all my career in this world and being able to speak to that. And the other is obviously where Ionic is in their life cycle is, is serving in more of a sales capacity. So, you know, making those connections to say, look, you know, we know organizations need this. Now, how do we get them to in this environment where, you know, the resources are stretched thin, budgets are tight, but there's a lot of com- uh, competing priorities. How do we get them to acknowledge that this is a very important part of their their path forward and so that's that falls somewhat in that in that sales world as well and then content we're always working on new content how do we frame this in the right way how do we take what we've learned from other clients in other industries and and show healthcare that this is something that they can learn from and take advantage of as well and you know i've seen that previously like a, a good example would probably be in the world of marketing and advertising the way we see retail reach out and understand their customers at a really granular level is something that we're seeing more healthcare companies do. So it's not unprecedented, right, for healthcare to look at other industries and see what they're doing and how they're adopting and, and try to you know, take some of that, that learning. Yeah, especially within like healthcare technology, because everyone knows how slow healthcare is to adopting new technology and how yeah. long that sales cycle is. So it's definitely interesting to see how you're able to kind of break in into the market. I mean, you mentioned... Yeah. Just doing interviews like this, collaboration and content creation sort of campaigns just to create content and generate more awareness around what you're doing, around your brand, and the different projects that you guys are working on. So I think that's very powerful. There's a lot of, I mean, you know, when you're working from home and going through what what we're all going through right now, there's also a lot of time spent on, you know, social platforms like LinkedIn, and you're kind of able to spend a little bit of extra time reaching out to people that maybe you haven't spoken to in a while or doing research on, on, you know, those kind of topics. And I think... I've seen a lot of great articles being posted over the last, you know, two, three months that former colleagues of mine have written or points of view that they're putting out there that their companies are trying to get out into the marketplace to help organizations that are going through this tough time right now. And I think that it's been a a very content rich environment, at least from my perspective, for the last few months. Yeah, definitely. A lot of people have more time, (laughs) more time to Laying around on the digital space. Yeah, I mean, you're you're one of those people, right? You're putting out great content. I was checking out some of the the videos you've posted recently and it's it's a great listen it's a great watch and it's nice to kind of hear everybody's different perspectives on it you know obviously you know physicians have a different view on it than people who are coming at it from maybe more of a technical background or financial background or, or operational so it's great to just kind of understand that yeah definitely that's really why i created the platform because i know like there's healthcare, there's technology, then you have like healthcare technology which is a little more niche down but then people don't really talk about the higher level people, they just talk about the brand and the company. But me, I wanted to dig a, a layer deeper and understand the people and the minds of the people growing these businesses and that are yeah. playing 
part in disrupting the industry, which is why I created this platform. Yeah. You mentioned that right now, especially during this whole COVID stuff, that content is very rich out there. And a lot of people are having more time to go out and create content, engage with content, do more research or whatever it is. So when it comes to content with Ionic, how are you guys facilitating the content creation and what have you guys been putting out there? What's been working for you guys? Yeah, well, luckily at Ionic, we have a very talented and hardworking and, and diligent team in the, in the marketing world that is always putting out fresh content. They actually, the, the latest series of posts that they put out there, and it, it goes everything from articles to white papers to the updates on the website, to, you know, things like that is around this whole concept of zero trust. And I think zero trust is obviously a, a big buzzword in, in the federal space. It's not as much in healthcare, but it should be. And so we're, you know, we kind of push out content like that. And then a lot of times what I like to do is I take that and I try to frame it from to the right perspective for healthcare, right? So how would a medical device company understand or, or connect with zero trust or how would a hospital connect with zero trust? And sometimes we have to kind of dial it back and we have to figure out what's realistic depending on the vertical you're working in. Different regulations and you know, impact different verticals and and you have to account for that. But, you know, we have a team there, like I said, the marketing folks are putting out amazing content to, to stay engaged with customers or with people who are just looking for information, whether that's social platforms or, or otherwise. And so I, uh, I learn a lot just from reading all the content that they're pushing out. And then, you know, you take that and you can frame it in the right perspective. And it's, it's been great. And I think this whole content creation thing about this kind of, there's been a lot of it. I think part of it is is people being creative as ways to kind of stay occupied, stay busy. You know, how do I stay in front of clients when I can't physically meet them? Well, let me let me write something. Let me have a point of view on it. Let me have a perspective on it. Let me publish it. You know, through channels that can get a lot of traction. So I think that's been one thing that we've definitely seen an uptick in. Nice. So it's it's definitely all about how can you provide value, right? And there's like all right. different ways for you to create content and get that out, whether it's through paid strategies or whether it's through free organic content creation, like we're doing now, uh, creating long form yeah. audio content and just collaborating with other people within the same network, within the same community that you want to provide value to. So I think that's definitely a good strategy there. Yeah. Back on. Well, and you know, healthcare is a, it's a, like, it's a small world, I like to say. I feel like so many of us are connected through connections and you know, things like what you're doing is great because when I watch some of the videos you've posted or hopefully when somebody watches this one, it'll spur a conversation. And that's really you know, what we're hoping for is let's start a conversation, let's uh, learn something new, and let's also try to teach something, right? And that's, mm-hmm. that's just a great experience and something great to do. And then hopefully this world kind of being unique healthcare allows us to do that. Nice. So. How does the content that you create, you said you mentioned sparking conversations and you guys are creating content with the goal of one, brand awareness, but two, to also get people indoctrinated into your way of thinking and into liking and trusting your brand. And when you're putting Mm -hmm. out content, who are the people that you're trying to spark these conversations with? Who would be like the ideal people for Ionic? Yeah, so it, it kind of varies. I mean, traditionally, I think the audience, because this is a data security and we talk a lot about, you know, cloud or cloud migration or, or things like that, I feel like traditionally the audience has been more in the in the CISO world or the app development community and folks like that. But, you know, what I see in healthcare is that this is very much an operational issue as well. It's not just an IT issue. You know, when we talk about 
the impact of you know the cloud or the potential leveraging the cloud on on the financial health of an organization or even its expansion strategy it moves it into a world that traditionally maybe they wouldn't have been involved in this discussion so i while i know that there's 100% value in connecting with that that CISO world, app dev, development professionals who are leveraging the technology that Ionic provides. I also know that there's there's a strategic decision and discussions that can be had at at the highest levels and in more in the operational and, and even marketing worlds at the health in the healthcare world. Nice. And so when you're actually working with these people and doing business with them, I know it's not just you handling the entire project. And so I kind of want to ask you about the team that you work with and the roles you play and other team members play when handling new clients. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and you're absolutely right, right? I think it always takes a team. You know, I feel like we're, we all have our strong suits and if we pair up together, we can be better as a group. So, you know, a lot of times, and I'll use myself as an example, I like to have those kind of early on conversations where I'm presenting more of a vision or a, a need you know, to a client saying, look, this is why, um, especially given my industry expertise, this is why I think this is a really powerful solution and why we think you should at least take a deeper look at it. You know, at that point, we like to, at least at Ionic, we like to bring in more technical resources that can provide a demo, right, that can answer, you know, those deeper questions around integrations and implementations and, and you know, just those more technical steps to help in the sales process, to help a client understand why this is powerful, what it does to address their current issues, how the implementation may look, what's the best kind of path forward to ensure success, things like that. And then ultimately, we have a customer success team as well. So when we when we kind of get through that process, we like to onboard people with our customer success folks. And they're really, as the title indicates, right, they're really responsible for making sure this is a, a, a good fit for the client, that they're, they go through a good experience on the transition and onboarding of the application, that they have the support they need, things like that. And, you know, that's kind of, that's the, the team in that funnel. Now, obviously, there's a lot of other people, you know, that are involved, everybody from, you know, getting the, the reason I'm having that conversation in the first place is because the marketing folks are just doing such a great job, you know, with the content and getting people interested in what we're talking about. And, you know, getting the, the messaging right. And so that's, you know, that's there on the front end. And then of course we have, you know, just a, a great pool of talent that are, uh, you know, constantly kind of refining our offerings and, and talking to the developer community about what they need, what they're seeing, you know, things like that. So really it, it runs the gamut. Nice. So yeah, it's definitely not just you. <laughs> I like how yeah. you mentioned pretty much you have a, a system and a, a team, a process set up for each stage that the buyer or the client is going through, whether it's the sales and the marketing or the onboarding or whatever it is, you guys have a system and a team set up to make that as efficient as possible and allow it to run as smoothly as possible. Yeah. You're also learning at each phase, right? So figuring out what's working, what's not working, what are people connecting to, what are they not, you know, making sure that we're solving the need that they have, right? And I think I firmly believe we are, but that's constant, you know, feedback is when we talk to customers, we can keep, you know, hearing that and that can fuel, you know, the development roadmap. It can fuel a lot of things. So, you know, having multiple people involved in that process is, it, that's another benefit of that is you get, it's not just one person's perspective on it. We get a whole group of people that are going through it and learning and, and hearing from the customers and, and, and learning from that and helping, you know, use that to kind of drive our, our vision forward. 
Yeah, definitely. Awesome. And so we kind of touched on a couple of problems that you've seen in the industry, obviously data, data security, and uh, just getting people secure with that and comfortable with that. But what is like the ultimate solution or the ideal situation that you see in this industry as far as data? You know what? It's not that there's a shortage of data, right? And I think we all know that. There's so much data and there's going to be so much more data, you know, in the upcoming weeks, months, you know, years as, as we get new applications and we have new ways of tracking things. Um, so it's not, it's not the lack of data. It's the ability to gain insight from that data that I think has always been the, the challenge. And that's not a new concept. I'm not, I didn't come up with that concept, but I fully believe in it. I think that coming up with ways to analyze an ever-increasing amount of data and then you know, be able to tell a story from that data and then use that to either fuel growth or make decisions. And in some cases in this world, right, healthcare, those are critical, you know, life and death decisions. Those are, these are really important decisions that have to be made and more and more, you know, they're made on data. And so I, I definitely think that, you know, the more data we have, the more digitization of, of information that we have going on, you know, we have to protect it. Obviously, that's where Ionic comes in. But then we also have to be able to analyze it and operationalize what you're learning from it. Mm. Ah, interesting. So not only just protecting all the data as it's rapidly growing, for sure, because I'm sure you guys don't just have a set amount of data. It's just constantly growing, but not just keeping it secure, but also using it and leveraging it to find new opportunities and being able to analyze it and understand yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, somebody who started their own, you know, business a number of years ago, a small business, and, you know, I'm tied into that community pretty strongly. I mean, a lot of this goes to empowering small to medium-sized businesses. You know, there's a lot of companies out there, especially in the healthcare world, that can do really powerful analyses or have powerful product offerings in this world. But, you know, what that relies on and the risk and the reason maybe they don't grow as fast as they should, there's always a lot of hesitancy in the healthcare world of sharing the data, right? Because of the privacy concerns, because of a lot of other concerns. And that's where I think Ionic really steps in is by protecting that data and being able to, in real time, enforce decisions, policy decisions, being able to you know, deny or, or allow access in real time. That also empowers a lot of companies to be able to go out there and develop new applications or new products that um, help make sense of all this increasing amount of data. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, we're kind of coming up towards the end, but I just got a couple more questions for you. Yeah. One of them is, I know you guys at Ionic, you, you have backgrounds in a bunch of other industries, but now you're breaking into the healthcare vertical. And how has that been? What sort of obstacles have you faced and how is the healthcare industry different than all the other ones that you guys have been working with? Obviously, from a difference perspective, different set of regulations, right? Like HIPAA versus CCPA or GDPR, like some of the other folks are, are facing in financial services or, or federal. So, you know, that certainly makes it unique. But then I also just think that healthcare was a little bit, maybe not as forward in terms of adopting these new cloud-based technologies or, or these cloud-based kind of platforms. And so there's kind of an informational component to what we do, which is educating people about Things like a great example is the the shared responsibility model, right? So a lot of folks that move to the cloud or store their data in the cloud, they think, okay, it's in the cloud. Whoever's you know managing the cloud infrastructure is responsible for the the security of it, and that's not true. And so there is an informational component of this, educating people to say, look, they're not responsible for securing that data; they're just responsible for securing the environment. 
you're still responsible for securing the data that's stored up there. And so I think that, you know, getting that message out there and educating people in the healthcare world has been really important. And it's something we're going to continue to do through, you know, to go back to something we talked about earlier through content and, you know, and getting those people up to speed on a lot of those changes. Awesome. So yeah, we kind of came back to it, the importance of content yeah. and being able to leverage valuable content to educate the community and educate people that ideally you'd want to work with. So yeah, comes yeah. full circle, right? Yeah, definitely. So it kind of leads into the next question, I guess, is what sort of advice would you have for other companies trying to break into the healthcare vertical, whether it's data companies or any other sort of healthcare technology companies out there? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it goes to a lot of it goes to learning. You know, I think you, you have to understand what these healthcare organizations are going through. Obviously, in the present situation, but even in general, what the trends have been, where the gaps are, maybe from a personnel perspective, you know, IT or otherwise, you know, what kind of gaps are they seeing in that market so that they can help fill that need. So I definitely think that healthcare is. We hear it all the time, but healthcare is unique. I mean, it does take a certain level of expertise and understanding of that market to understand how to connect with that audience. It's not just plug and play. You can't just take a product from, you know, FinServe and then go insert it over into healthcare and think it'll work because the audience in healthcare is always going to be naturally not, you know, reluctant necessarily, but, you know, they, a lot of times they ask, all right, well, who else in healthcare is doing this, right? It's, it's, it's hard to find the early adopters, I think, and that's kind of the, the challenge with anybody trying to break into a healthcare vertical is having that, building that kind of that funnel so that you can get enough clients so that that question becomes a non-issue. So I definitely think that, you know, finding people that understand the vertical, offering educational information to your audience is going to be really important so that it's not just a hard sale. We have to remember that these folks are, are inundated with vendors all day long from every from every aspect, right? So they, they're not just going to respond to a new email that says, you know, this is the latest and greatest and healthcare should do this. It's got to, it's got to be relevant. And it's got to show that you're either going to save time, money, effort, you're going to make somebody's life better, you're going to uh, allow for better care, more real-time decision-making, things like that. Like that you mentioned the idea of having a funnel, because especially in healthcare, the, whole, the cell cycle is so much longer. It's not like you're just starting a conversation with somebody and getting that process, the yeah. sales conversation started, you're really trying to attract people, get them indoctrinated into your way of thinking and really just educating them and moving them throughout each, moving them on to the next stage in the buyer's journey and just getting them more comfortable and more aware of working with you guys. Um, yeah. Like and there's multiple people involved. I feel like it's not, a lot of times these are, complex decisions that require input from stakeholders across different departments, whether it's IT, operations, clinical staff, um, depending on what, obviously, what you're trying to promote or sell. And so that also contributes to the, the length of the sales cycle. It's not just a one-person decision. There's multiple layers to it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> a lot of, lot of decision makers, a lot of input. Yeah, a um, lot of opinions, right? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we've been talking about a lot of high-level stuff, a lot of stuff in content around data, security, the cloud, all that stuff. Um, but now we're kind of coming up towards the end of the podcast. And i like to end on a little more lighter note with the exercise I like to call the rapid fire round. So I'll ask you a couple questions and you just give me whatever answers you come up with. Okay. All right. All right. So question number one, what is your favorite book of all time? 
That's a tough one. Honestly, I have a daughter who just turned four. So my book selection these days is limited to things like, you know, the Gruffalo and Data <laughs> Twist Scientist and, and things like that. So I, I've been pretty immersed in children's books recently. So nice. off the top of my head, I'll, I'll go with the Gruffalo on that one. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, un, yeah, it, it's not unfortunate. That's not the right word, but we, we just read a lot you know, as a family. And so we're kind of skewing towards that, that age group right now. Ah, nice. Throw some Dr. Seuss up in there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Who is one of the most influential people in your life or career? You know, besides, I'm pretty fortunate to have a very inspiring base of people in my own family. You know, my sisters, my parents, my wife, you know, folks like that. I think so that's, that's always a source of inspiration for me. I think from a professional standpoint, I've been very lucky to have mentors at, at almost every company I've worked with that I've stayed in touch with and that have been really, really powerful people to learn from. You know, when I was back at, at Ernst & Young in their healthcare advisory practice, there was a, a partner there who's no longer there. He's at another firm now, but he was, uh, his name's Bill Farah, and he was still serves as a mentor and a, a really a coach in, in, in some respects, you know, for, for professional endeavors. So definitely lean on, on his advice and his, his thinking a lot. Awesome. Shout out to him. Um, what yeah. is one goal you want to accomplish this year? Wow. I think the main thing I'm focused on right now is, is making Ionic and their platform Machina more of a, more of a household you know, name and, and concept and technology in this healthcare vertical. I think that's, that's really what I'm shooting for in the second half of the year. I mean, today's, today's the last day of June, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as we're heading into the second half of the year, that's, that's really my goal. You know, I, I want to get the word out. I, I think it's, it's such a powerful solution. It's a powerful application. It has a lot of you know potential, but you know we also have a lot of work to do to, to get people talking about it. But that's might as well set a lofty goal, right? That's what yeah, it is. Definitely. And doing interviews like this is definitely <laughs> there. You go friction <laughs> for sure. Yeah. What is I don't know, another goal could be just going out to dinner, you know, in a restaurant. Imagine that. <laughs> that's crazy. That's a goal in twenty twenty. <laughs> I know. Maybe next year. For sure. All right. Last one. What is one piece of advice you would give to your 20 year old self? You know what? Just not to take anything too seriously. I feel like when we're younger, at least for a lot of people, it's about you're always planning the next step, right? I want to do this after college. I want to go to grad school. I need to work here to get this kind of job. And that's just not, it, there was too much kind of future thinking instead of enjoying that moment. I mean, how many of us don't wish we could go back to being 20 right now? So, you know, enjoying that moment and, and not, you know, taking things too seriously, I, grades and that kind of stuff. Obviously, we want to work hard and, and learn, but, um, you know, th there's a lot of other opportunities that you have at that age that you don't really have when you get older. And, and, and so it's taking advantage of that and, and really living in that moment. Awesome. Awesome. Perfect way to end today's episode. <laughs> so, yeah, Supriya, I just want to thank you again for just jumping on and sharing what you're doing over at Ionic and just talking about data, the cloud and problems that you're identifying and noticing in the industry and where you see the industry trends growing and going. So just want to thank you for jumping on, sharing your insight. Definitely a lot of value. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. So actually, before we go, where could people learn more about you and Ionic? Yeah, so they can definitely go to um, Ionic's website. And then um, my LinkedIn profile is always up to date. And I'm always open to, you know, connect, connecting with new people, having conversations through there. So uh, either either of those would be would be good. Awesome. And I'll definitely be sure to include the links in the description and in the blog. So they'll definitely be able to link back to you there. 
Awesome. Yeah, I learned a long time ago. I did a podcast like many years ago, and I, I don't know why. For some reason, I gave my cell phone number out on the podcast. So but let's stick to LinkedIn and the website for right now. Oh, yeah, that's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, horrible. <laughs> awesome. Well, anyways, that ends today's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Health Tech Hustle with Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Tune in next week for another interview with an expert leader in digital health.